Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hi, welcome to the podcast. I am Joe Posnanski, and with me is Michael Shore. Michael, welcome. Thank you for having me, Joe. You're welcome. And you know what I noticed about the way that you you began your greeting? Mm. A little quicker, a little bit quicker. I I think I think you are getting in the spirit of of the pitch clock. I feel like every time you finish talking, I have 15 <laughs> seconds to respond. <laughs> And if I don't, I'm going to take a strike. You take a I strike. Want, I don't want Absolutely. that to happen. And and while I'm talking, I cannot step out of the box. I mean, unless <laughs> unless there's unless there's more than eight seconds left, I'm not stepping out of the box. So my stat of the day uh, on the mothership with head goon Dan Lebatard, uh today was um, I'm not sure if you saw this. Rob Friedman, who goes by the handle pitching at Pitching Ninja on yes. Twitter. Posted a side-by-side video yesterday, <laughs> and the side-by-side video was Landon Knack of the Dodgers throwing an entire half inning in the spring training game in which he pitched. That's right. In the same time it took Pedro Baez to throw one <laughs> pitch in the 2016 playoff series against the Cubs. That's right. That's right. It is truly amazing to watch. And by the way, Rob Friedman also uh, in 2019 posted a video of the entire 2019 Kentucky Derby race overlaid that was even the better. time between two pitches that Zach Grinke <laughs> threw to Ozzie Albies in a in a Diamondbacks Braves game. And An utterly meaningless Diamondbacks Braves. Utterly meaningless game. And so this is obviously the topic of the day for baseball is the new rules and how it's affecting the game. The spring games have been like a half hour shorter That's right. on average than they were in past years and recent years. And some people love it. Some people hate it. I would say that given um, the fact that the games are now basically the length of hockey games or NBA games, um, if, we're, if we're to believe our eyes so far, right. uh, that this is... All, and, and and given the re- comparatively few significant issues that we have heard about or seen, there have obviously been guys have taken some strikes. The Red Sox Braves game ended went because the batter wasn't ready, and, they, and the Red Sox <laughs> walked off with a an umpired called third strike. Uh, but given the fact that we're still in February, it's still spring training. Given the fact that these games are a half hour shorter. So far, cautiously, I say this, this is un, an unmitigated success. It's, it's okay. I, let, let's really dive into it. Let's dive into all the rule changes. Uh, because uh, if you if you happen to be somebody who reads Esquire, 
I'm not speaking to you specifically. I'm speaking to all of our listeners. Okay. Um, I wrote a piece uh, for Esquire that is coming out in the next couple of days. Uh, all about the rule changes, really, really digging deep into it, talk to people all over the game about them. And I I can tell you I have not been as excited for an opening day in a long time. Uh, yeah. I mean, and I'm always excited for opening day. I mean, we're, we're, we're always excited for the season to start. But this is so awesome, and it <laughs> makes me so mad to see people just absolutely just just dumping on these rules and and not giving them a chance and saying it doesn't look like baseball. I mean, I, I, it's it's insanity. And and I did see the uh, the Pedro Baez back side by side because you shared it or, or, or Brandon McCarthy I think shared it right. with us. And I, I mean, literally, that's all you need. All you yeah. got to do is watch Pedro Baez repeatedly step off, stare down, look around, fake a throw to second, blah, 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 blah. And on the left, you see a full half inning pitched. I don't honestly, how can you look at that and go, no, I want the, I want to go back. Well, to, to me, back. I have to say it was shocking to watch that. It should be noted, small, small uh, caveat that was a playoff game. Of course, and playoff of games course. are always more intense and they're a little a little scarier and everyone every pitch matters more and more and more and more, right? To me the Grinky one is the one that really oh, shocked yeah. me, which I hadn't yeah. seen before because that is a regular season Diamondbacks Braves <laughs> game. Who cares? And if you are a fan in that I mean what's interesting is to listen to the commentary. You can sort of hear the commentary of both games being played on the video in the in the David Ross uh, uh Pedro Baez at bat. Yeah. And Joe Buck is talking about how frustrating this must yes. be for the players. They show Adrian Gonzalez kind of standing at first like <laughs> the brother like and and so it is not just the fan experience. No. It is also the players experience like the games are moving, the players are engaged, the ball yes. is being put in play. That's the really interesting thing about the um about the 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 uh, Landon Knack side of it is that like it's not three pitches it's like no seven no. pitches or something right and it's a couple called strikes and a ball and a ball one ball's fouled off or whatever and it just you just feel like everyone is paying attention more right. and is more engaged and you know I I it, it, every video that gets posted every stat every time Jason Stark or uh, or anyone Buster only or anybody tweets out a statistic that says that, you know, here's the length of the games, here's what's happening in these spring training games. If you look at their replies, you see a bunch of people who are like, who cares? It's baseball. It didn't need to be fixed. Football only has this much uh, action in it per three hours. Like it's a lazy summer day. Like I want to drink beer and like take it in, blah, 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 blah. It's still going to be two and a half hours, guys. Like it's still two and a half hours of nothing on a summer day. But also, this isn't for you. You right. like baseball already. Right. The problem that baseball is facing is that people who are casually interested or not interested at all have no reason to become interested. And this is going to help, without question, get people to like, oh, it's only it's two and a half hours and it moves really fast. I will be more likely to watch that. So like they already have you and me. We're going to watch regard we would watch if the games were 5 hours long. But, That's but, not the problem. But I think that 
that that gets to a point. One, 100% right. Bring new people in. Uh, make it so that your first experience as a young fan is a good one and it's not watching a four-hour game that just drags on. Right. But the second thing is, I've seen a lot of those same comments about, oh, to me, baseball is meant to be slow and it's meant to be, you know, this is not like this is the way baseball has always been played. No. This, over the last 20 years, the game has added 20 minutes. How So basically, if the argument is the game can be as long as it needs to be, you're saying that if the game was three and a half hours, you would still love it the same. If it was four hours, you would still love it the mm-hmm. same. If it was four and a half hours, you know, that you cannot go to an extreme right. where, where you the game loses you. And you can't say that about people. People are going, you are going to lose yes. people every time you add five minutes of nothing to the game. And that's the other part. The part that really drives me crazy is people who will not acknowledge. And look, I've, I've had a point-blank argument about this with Joe Sheehan, who I respect a lot. Uh, I think the world of him, I think he's a brilliant baseball thought uh, mind, uh, but I also think that he sometimes isn't happy unless he's not happy. It, it's <laughs> like he's got to find things that are wrong, and it's like, what could possibly be wrong about cutting dead time out right. of baseball? What, right. what, who could possibly be like, no, I want the dead time back in the game. That's, that's where I love. Uh, I mean, it drives me insane. And I look, I'm not saying that it's perfect. It, the games can feel rushed a little bit right now. I think you and I talked about this. I think right now, Pitchers, a lot of pitchers uh, and batters, but pitchers particularly are rushing because they're like, they don't want to get to the last two or three seconds of the clock. So they're throwing with eight seconds left with, with nine, 10 seconds left on the clock because they, 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 you know, they haven't figured it out yet. Right. Their own inner clock has not kicked in. So that's why I'm not as interested in the game times, although fascinating to see these games literally being cut by half an hour that's what they told me uh when i talked to all the baseball people they said you know you're going to hear people say it's not going to cut into the game i'm telling you it will it's going to cut real big time off the game that's not as interesting to me as you know and i know people say it's not the time it's the pace it's more the action it's more like how does it feel watching the game do you feel like hey Everything's moving. I've got to pay attention the whole time. Yep. I, I, I'm, I've got to be into the game because the game is happening right in front of me. I, who doesn't want that? I don't understand. It's very simple to me. Imagine basketball without a shot clock. Right. right? Imagine an NBA game that at the end of the game, in the at the end of the fourth quarter, it's forty three to thirty nine. <laughs> Is that a better game? I don't think that's a better game. Of course not. Imagine, of course not. And, and not only that, imagine. look at if you need any more proof, the college shot clock is longer oh, than the NBA shot that's clock. Right. That's right. And in the NBA, which to me for pace of game is the best league, The, the to me the, the fan experience for pure just adrenaline and excitement, Yes. to me watching a live NBA game is the best fan experience. Personal so. personal preference, right? I like that. And what happens in the NBA is the ball gets brought up the court. The point guard uh, throws the ball into the high post. The, the, the guy, he looks for somebody setting a screen. Someone moves around. 
Nothing's there. They kick it out to someone on the wing. There's 10 seconds left. That's it. There's 10 seconds. Something's got to happen. Like, and then Giannis has the ball with nine seconds left, and your and your brain and your soul says, "Here we go. Right. Something is going to happen. He is going to drive. He's going to try to dunk or kick it to someone. When he does, there will be three seconds on the clock. That person will fire a three pointer. <laughs> he will either hit it. That'll be great. Or there will be a rebound. Then the ball will be going the other way. They're pushing. They're pushing. They're pushing." All of those like Paul Westfall teams and all the Mike D'Antoni teams, what did they say? I want you to shoot within 10 seconds of getting the ball. Yeah. Shoot within 14 seconds or more on the clock. Why? Because the pace of play matters not just for the fan experience. They weren't doing it for the fan experience. They were doing no. it for the sake of the game being better, the team being better, the team scoring more efficiently, the better decisions being made, like aggression, aggression, aggression. Baseball, by its nature, without a clock, has no aggression in it. And right. now you're seeing Max Scherzer saying, I love this because he's on the he's on the rubber. The batter steps out. Now the batter can't step out again. Yeah. And he's like, now I'm in control. Yep. So now I'm gonna wait for 14 of the 15 seconds and just make him sit there and like <laughs> stare at me while I stare at him like with my crazy eyes. And now suddenly the balance of power has shifted yep. from the batter to the pitcher. There there are new psychologies at play here. There are new power dynamics. There are new things to be learned and exploited and toyed with. And like you've seen guys, the pitcher throws over to first, and now it's like, guess what, man? You can't do that anymore. And so the so the base runner takes like an enormous lead. Yep. On the like it is it is the same game. But all of the things that make the game exciting are amped up to like from like a three to a nine. Yes. And and that to me, like in we have talked on this podcast, we've been doing this podcast since 1961. That's right, 61. We're in we're in year 52 of talking <laughs> 62. 62 of talking about what it is about baseball that can be tinkered or toyed with or fixed or changed or whatever in order to make people love it as much as we love it. This is the first time they have really done anything. Yes, that ha that has the uh, the the that feels like a genuine attempt to say, okay, we all love this game, but it's 2023, and we are we have been steadily declining in terms of national interest for a while now. We have to do something, and I love how bold it is. I also love, by the way, watching uh, Max Kepler or someone someone hitting from the left side grounding a ball to the right and having that be a single instead of a ground out to the yes. shortstop playing deep, deep right field. <laughs> uh, there are so many things about this that are going to create more action, more excitement, more adrenaline. It, it is going to be the closest that baseball has ever been to the feeling of watching basketball in history. This is it. This is well, we're now seeing it. Well, uh, let, me, let me say a couple things about what you said because they had to feed off of that. One is there's something about the shot clock that you know, I you talk about what the best sort of paced fan experience, right? Is the NBA because hockey feels like completely out of control, right? Hockey is like, hockey is lunacy. I, I say lunacy. this having watched one live hockey game in the last 40 years of my life. It is an insane. It's That's like right. um, it's like hockey is like you're being chased by someone. That's, That's right. the feeling that you have when you watch <laughs> hockey. It's like I'm you're running for your life. That's right. <laughs> It's it is it is it is one and and it's great in in that but it is basically one it is a it is a whatever you know uh, uh 
three period heart attack. All yeah. all yes, it is absolutely it's yes. it's a Jason Statham movie. It's a Jason Statham <laughs> movie where he has to jolt himself with like his heart with electricity every 30 minutes or he that's dies. Right. Whatever that's that right. movie is. And crank. that's great. I think it's and called the, Crank. And the NFL is, you know, we we just let's face it, the NFL could do everything wrong. It doesn't matter. It, we, we, we just we we are so hooked on it. So when people say, like, oh well, the NFL is slow action. Yeah, but it's because the NFL, you might watch somebody literally get, you know, paralyzed on the next on the next play, or you might right. watch somebody make the most athletic, ridiculous thing you've ever seen in your entire life. Uh, I mean, it's, you know, there's there, it's just different. The, there's something about the clock in the NBA that you you talk about, but I think it's also true. It's not only do you see it on the on the court, but when you see the team run through their first bit of offense, right? And then they get it out. In your mind, your mind starts racing. You don't know exactly how much time is left on the clock, but you know it's running down, right? You're just yeah. beginning to know, and you're like, oh, they're probably, you know, your mental clock is like, yeah, probably eight seconds left, seven seconds left. You see the dish out. Now you're like, are they even going to get the shot off? There's a whole thing that happens to you as a fan because we're so used to the 24-second clock. It's been around for so long. Right. Baseball has never had anything like that. The, literally the pitcher could stand on the mound forever. There was yeah. like, you know, and, and sometimes it felt like they did. And so there was nothing propelling the game forward except the players, you know, themselves. And, and what, what really drives me nuts is it's not like, I mean, look, I don't want to say baseball was better in my day, blah, 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 but baseball played fast in our day. Yeah. It was played super fast. You know, they you so you see video of like Dwight Gooden pitching in the playoffs, you know, in, in important moments. Still, you put a shot clock next to him, you put a pitch clock next to him. He beats the pitch clock every time. Not yeah. because not because he needs to, but because that's the way the game was played. And it slowly, you know, began to to evolve from there. And, and they never fixed it. They never like said, hey, let, let's get back to this pace, you know? Yeah. Well, you know, I have to say a huge culprit here is the Red Sox-Yankees rivalry sure. of the early 2000s. Sure. Because those games were the most visible games in the sport. They were the, it's the, it's the most famous rivalry in the sport. Their regular season games were regularly four plus hours. Yep. Their playoff games were often Ugh. five hours, yeah. four four thirty five hours, but they were so tense and so full of drama that it kind of like they bore the weight of the time to some yeah. extent. Now I'm obviously biased here because I was living and dying with every pitch, and there might have been a lot of people who were like, "Jesus, guys, let's get on." With <laughs> oh, this. I think there were a lot of people doing that, but yeah. But you go back to that the most famous playoff series in maybe in baseball history, the 04 ALCS. Every one of those games ended after midnight. There was a right. shot every single in every single game, I believe. There was a shot of the clock turning from 11:59 to midnight. Midnight, yes. So like this is another thing right is like what happens uh you know it's hard enough nobody cares about Jokic right now in the league nobody cares people barely know that dame lillard scored 71 points the other right. night the only reason anyone cares about the lakers is because of lebron it took lebron to make people care about a crummy lakers team right and part of the problem is always like in every sport they play on the west coast 
in football, the West Coast teams play at 4 p.m. Yes. Which is, right? So they don't, you don't have this problem. But in basketball and baseball, nobody nobody is watching Shohei Otani. The games start at 10 p.m. on the East Coast, and they yep. end at 1.15 in the morning. Right. Who in the world is watching those games? Now, however, okay, hold on a second. Yeah. Like a, a, seven, a 10 o'clock start when Otani's pitching, you might go like, hey, that game will be – I can watch – Five innings of that game. And five innings, exactly. I, I yeah. could only watch an hour, but I could watch five innings of the game. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a huge deal. I'll get to see Otani pitch five innings and hit tw at least twice right. over right. the course of uh, an hour, and then I'll go to bed. There are, there are tertiary benefits to this that go beyond the individual game experience, and it's partly... A, a huge deal is that a large number of the of the league's marquee players, most marketable players, most fascinating players. Think about how many of the league's top stars play in San Diego, Los Angeles, Anaheim. Yep. The Mariners are really interesting now. Yep. The Giants make some big moves. There are there are the, the, the league. Yeah. yeah, the league needs to see this year's Padres. They need to see Mookie Betts. They need to see Shohei Otani. And this, if this works and you suddenly are like, hey, you know what? I know it's 10 o'clock in Charlotte, North Carolina or right. Washington, D.C., but the Angels game is just starting on ESPN and I can watch Shohei Otani pitch five, for five innings and hit at least twice. Absolutely. You're much more likely to watch that game. No question. There's no question. And, and honestly, before it'd be like... Um... I can stay up till 1130. It might, it might only be three innings, you know, yeah. I mean, that's really, so I think that there are a lot of different benefits to me. The best part is the way the game looks. It just looks more action felt. Now, what Joe Sheehan would argue and has argued is that's fine in a sort of uh general thought, but once these games really matter, it's going to, that's, that's going to really drive, people nuts people are not going to like the game going fast once the game goes uh once it matters they're going to hate having a, a a called strike or a, an automatic ball be called in a playoff game when when things are going on and uh, look i can see the argument to some degree but i think the argument to me feels the same way that like none of us want to see a delay of game called in the NFL, right? right? Or, or, or 24 second shot clock. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, Hey, once the rule is in place, you know, the rule you can, right. you, you, you'll, their inner clocks will be connected at that point. Players, They will, will have played 162 games under those rules. And That's I, right. I think you're right. I don't think you're going to have that problem because I think no. that between spring training and 162 game schedule, you get to the playoffs. They're, they're, these people are baseball monsters. The, all right. they do is think about baseball, live baseball, breathe baseball, eat baseball. They are going to adjust. By I, I would venture to say that by the time you're at the All-Star break, in the yes. second half of the season, it's going to be very rare. It's going to be as rare to have a pitch called a ball or automatic ball or automatic strike as it is in the NBA to have a shot clock violation, or a which is or a delay of game. That's exactly what they one, said. Once or twice a game, maybe. Oh, once or, yeah, not even that. I mean, they're hoping for once per team, you know, every two games, maybe. Yeah. I mean, they're really talking about comparing it to the NFL shot clock. I mean, uh, uh, you know, right. not, delay, uh, delay of game. Right. And, and I agree. And I'll tell you what, you're not the only one, obviously to say this. One of the people I talked to, uh, for this book is is friend of of podcast Joey Votto, 
And that's exactly what Joey Votto said. He said, you don't understand. We're we're the best at what we do, man. Yeah. You can give us a clock. We'll we'll we're not gonna we're, we'll we'll figure it out, right? Yeah. Like we're not gonna let the clock run out. I mean, these these people are, and it's so it's so silly because I think players will do. And Raul Labanya said this: said, look, players are gonna take every advantage you give them. So if you tell them they have an infinite amount of time between pitches, they'll take an infinite amount of time. They'll take right. what they can. You tell them that they've got 18 seconds between pitches, they're going to take 18 seconds. That's right. that, that's it's it was always a mistake to think that the players could have sped up the game. The yeah. players were always going to play to their best advantages as they should. That's their job. Just you know? just think about in football Tom Brady gets he gets he calls the play they get to the line with like 17 seconds left yep on the clock he calls out he motions like this he points out he yells 53 is the mic <laughs> he 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 goes he taps his helmet kill 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 he walks up and down the line Peyton Manning same thing right they get back they get everything set they 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 take every fraction of a second to read the defense to see what the alignment is to remember in their head okay when they when they're in a nickel formation, they sometimes <laughs> pull up the corner blitz and blah blah blah. They're thinking about every last thing, Everything. and then they snap the ball with a third of a second left. Absolutely, on the every clock. time, every time you're like, "Oh, it's a delay a game," and it's not. You know, it's yeah. almost never a delay a game. It's 100 percent right. These guys know, and they are going. And it, by the way, if you gave Tom Brady an extra five seconds, he'd take, he take it. it. Of sure course, he would. would. Every yeah. one of these guys would. There, you know? Yes, because because again, like you're saying. The more time you have to assess the situation, yep. the more you will take all of that time because every single piece of information in a complicated sport is has value in it. Of and course. so that again, that's why to me the NBA, the the NHL is heart attack city, <laughs> but the but the NBA where like to the point where like you can't even understand what's happening. Like you, right? Uh, yeah, w w they they the puck gets dropped, uh, <laughs> and then they skate around. Eight seconds in, there's a line change. Why? I don't know. Because it's time for line change. And then, and like uh, in the game that I saw, I'm basing this all on one game, that Bruins Kings game that I went to. Uh, they were playing, playing, playing. The ball, something happens. The puck goes out of play. They go for a a, a, a face off, and instead, two guys just drop their gloves and start fighting. Why? I don't know. Something happened. I didn't see what happened. They just something happened that was that was a a. a, a unconscionable in the eyes of one of those two guys they said something to each other and suddenly they're fighting now that it's a it, it's a lunatic sport oh, I, remember, I, think lunatics. Was, I think it was jim murray i think i can't remember what the sports writer was but i think it was jim murray who wrote a column basically the entire column was someday i hope to see a hockey goal <laughs> right, you see it. It's in the net. You see the red light, and you're like, "What? What yeah. happened? Let me show me five replays." I so I, I saw one in that game because there was an empty net goal at the end of the game. Oh, empty net! You'll saw. see an empty net goal. Yeah. But the point is, is that in ba basketball, is halfway between to me between the quarterback reading the defense and using every possible second, right. and hockey, which is just is just madness. like a yeah. heart attack madness, <laughs> because they have to read the defense call out a play, get into an alignment, poke, prod, seek, move around. They have yep. to do all that stuff. But it's at some point, it's like there's 4.3 seconds left on the clock and I have the ball. I have to shoot the ball. Like That's I, right. You can't continue. You, It's not like football where the snap 
ends the threat of running out of time. Right. It's the shot that ends the threat of running. Well, out and of hitting time. the rim and hitting yeah, the rim. Exactly. Right? Yeah. If you don't hit the rim, obviously, but that's that's a hundred percent right. And to me, I don't see what the difference would be. Look, there it could absolutely happen where and you know knowing baseball's luck it will happen where there will be some controversial clock pitch clock thing that'll happen in the playoffs and people will be like this sucks and we told you and i'll think to myself how many times have we looked at the like clock in the nba looked at replay to see did he get the top the shot off in time did the shot you know and it's and to me there's You'll get it right. You'll get the clock right. You'll you'll they'll they'll have it synced so that you'll know if it was actually a violation or not a violation. And yeah. and I I just don't think players are gonna. I think players will cut it out. They will. Is, they it, will. It's not going to be a problem. It's. I will, promise. It's not going by by the time we're at the All Star break. It will no longer be a problem. Nope. Because all that needs to happen, if I'm not mistaken, is the pitcher needs to begin the motion. Right. Right. It's begin not, the motion. The player has to be in the box with what nine seconds left. Eight nine right. seconds left. So let's explain a couple of things about there because uh, one of the things that I did for for the for the Esquire piece was really explain the rule changes because there are things that people don't fully understand or know yet because it's so new one is pitchers can step off twice uh during an at bat right and that's it so they can throw over to first base twice as an example if they step off a third time it's a balk unless they pick the runner off so in other words if you step off and throw to first twice then the guy at first could take a big lead, like you said, because he right. knows you can't throw over there again. But he can if he can pick you off. Right. Now, I don't know how many people – I mean, it depends how big the lead would be, but you can't go halfway to second base because they'll pick you off, right? Like, right. I mean, then like they're, they're, that is still allowed. But they won't throw over if you have, like, a kind of big lead – but they know you can make it back. They can't throw over because if you make it back, you go to second. That's, right. that's basically how that works. So I think that's going to be fun. I think that is going to add uh, some some real action to the stolen base thing. Don't you think? Don't you think that's going to be kind of a fun thing? Yes, yeah. and it's also a good cat and mouse game where it's like, what is the lead I can take that is big enough so that I can steal, but not so big that I have the embarrassment of being picked off at a time when all I have to do is get back to first and then I get to second. <laughs> then I get to that, second. That's that, a, like fascinating, fa an excellent solve for what was potentially a big problem. Yeah. And I think that's going to be a very interesting, you talk about cat and mouse. I think the, the danger of embarrassment of getting picked off on the third step off will yeah. keep people from taking huge leads. I yeah. think like some people will be a great, like Trey Turner will probably have a great stolen base here. But well, other the guys people, who just need, especially with the bags being a little bit bigger this that's year. That's the other thing. The, the, the guys who are like, all I need is another eight to 10 inches of a lead. And then I know I'm going to be safe because right. I, because the second he makes a move, I'm gone. Right. Those guys are going to steal a lot more bases. And what is more exciting in baseball than stolen bases? Absolutely. Very little. Stolen bases are like top five exciting thing that can happen. It's basically triples. Yep. Stolen bases, yep. incredible defensive plays inside the park, home runs. And right. right. And what like bombs? What? I mean, bomb home runs. So in home just, runs. Yeah, yeah. 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 In some order. So like the stolen base is, has been systematically drummed out of baseball for over the last 25 years because 
advanced metrics tell us. You have to steal at a basically a 75 or 80 percent rate in order right. to make it worthwhile. And 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 honestly, pitchers get to the plate quicker, catchers are better at throwing. Catchers I have mean, cannons for arms. Cannons, and yeah. and so so now suddenly you're like, well, wait a second, the guy throws over to first. And and now it's like, well, he, he can't he can only do it one more time. Yes. And if he does it again, thinking he like, Haha, he's <laughs> thinking that I'm not going to do it. But now I do it. Now it's like, well, all right, I'm going I'm taking the maximal lead I can possibly take. Yep. And the second he so much as twitches his shoulder, I'm gone. I'm gone. And and by the way, not only is that exciting, the the savvy crowd member the savvy onlooker will go like here we go like there <laughs> there will be a sense of like excitement yes. in the way that there was every time ricky henderson was on first absolutely that was the build-up was like when's he gonna go when's he, when's gonna, he, gonna, go? Go? When's he gonna go exactly yeah exactly i think that's gonna be so much fun and i also think it's gonna be very interesting i don't think many people are gonna throw over twice i, I think you'll throw over once but you don't want to hold that second one you want to keep that Keep yeah. that guy a little bit closer. But also because now it's a limited thing, right? It, there's it's a it's a contained unit of possibility. Teams are going to have scouting reports. Okay, oh, yeah. this guy doesn't throw over on the first pitch because he wants to save his right. throw over. Right. So go on the first pitch. <laughs> or this guy always throws over right away. So so just be aware and then go on pitch two or whatever. Like yes. there are a lot of very, very fast runners in yes. Major League Baseball. And those guys have basically had, um, they've had the brakes put on. They've had the red light from their team because the team has been like, look, it's not worth the risk. Don't do it. But think about this. Think about how much more impact Billy Hamilton would have had in baseball over the last 10 years if these rules had been in place. Because sure. ev every single year, or Terrence Gore. Terrence Gore, <laughs> who, who goes from te from playoff team to playoff team, who I believe has three World Series rings the, uh, with and with a total of like 100 at-bats in all yeah. of baseball. Oh, yeah. Uh, these guys, Billy Hamilton will now be to a playoff contender in, in September or October. What like... I don't know. It's like what, what, like uh, uh, the equivalent of like the Suns or the the a team picking up like Jay Crowder, yeah. right? It'll be like this guy really matters. This this player in or Dave Roberts in two thousand four, like right. those guys who can steal bases, they suddenly in, in come playoff time have enormous value, right? Because they if they get into the right situation and they pinch run they have now an incredible advantage over the other team that they never had before. Billy Hamilton would have been the most coveted <laughs> like trade acquisition in baseball for contending teams every year for 10 years because not only is he fast, but now his chances for success in stealing a key base are exponentially higher. Well, and let's talk about the larger bases because Theo Epstein is who it really it's his baby, the larger bases. Um, he's a big, big believer in in the, the making a big difference. Now, there are a lot of people in baseball that don't think it's going to make a difference at all. It's fine. It's going to make it safer. They'll give them lower, injuries. Bit, you know, lower no, injuries. No tripping over ankles at first. Right. That sort Stuff of thing. like yeah. that. But they don't they don't particularly think it's going to change the game. Um, Theo thinks it has a chance to do some changing of the game. And he brings up a great point. One is. Look, the bases are what? Four and a half inches bigger, basically, around the, the thing. 
there are a lot of plays that if the, if they'd had four and a half inches, the guy would have been safe. I mean, that's yeah. what he said. He said, he said, you can think about the game. You can think about those plays you saw last year where the guy was out by just the touch. That guy's safe now. And so you talk about a Billy Hamilton, could a Billy Hamilton bunt a lot more now and try to like, you know, could you actually use him as more than as a pinch, uh, a pinch runner? Maybe, you know, especially he's a good outfielder. I mean, there's maybe something, it brings some athleticism back in the game. The other thing he said about it is, you know, people always like everybody in their mind has 90 feet between the bases as sort of this epic thing, right? You like you, you can't, it's a magical part of baseball that there's 90 feet between the bases. But nobody even knows how that's measured. I mean, almost nobody understands that it's actually measured from the from the center of the base to right. you know to whatever. So no matter how big you make the bases, it's still ninety feet between the bases because right. the, the center is always going to be in the middle. And and so he's like, look, who's to say we couldn't make the bases a couple feet bigger next year? Like or in five, you know what I mean? Like like there right. are ways if it encourages people to put the ball in play to try to, you know, if they can beat out some ground balls, if they, you know, you can suddenly get speed back in the game, you add the stolen base uh, element, it could have some effect on on action in the game. Why not? There is a there is a famous, and I don't know if it's apocryphal or not, business story that you hear a lot, which is years and years and years ago, the story goes, somebody went to like Crest Toothpaste, and said, I can increase your profits by 7% without you ch- doing a single thing to change your product. And I gar- and I literally guarantee this will be the case. So they were like, okay, smart guy, what do you got? And all he did was increase the diameter of the aperture at the end of the toothpaste tube by like a fraction of a millimeter. He made it, he made the circle that the toothpaste comes out of a <laughs> tiny bit wider because what he realized one night putting his toothpaste on his toothbrush is people put the toothpaste, the length, the amount of toothpaste on that's the length of the brush, the length right? Of the brush, right. So by increasing this tiny hole that's that thicker. the toothpaste comes out of, it's pi r squared in terms of this, the area of a cylinder. Right. And he could, he realized that he could have them, that people would still use the same amount of, they would cover <laughs> the toothbrush with the toothpaste right. cylinder. And think it's and the same amount. They would run out 7% <laughs> faster than they did before without even noticing it. They wouldn't even notice because it's what is it? You brush your teeth with a tube of toothpaste dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of times. They That's wouldn't right. suddenly, in the way that sometimes, if they change the si- the, sh- the size of a cereal box to, you know, to try to increase profits, everyone's like, "Hey, Frosted Flakes, <laughs> this box isn't as big as it used to be, right?" Or they fill the bag inside the cereal box with more air, and yes. people take it out and they put they put it on Instagram and are like, "What the hell? There's yeah, this half yeah. this bag is air." <laughs> but with toothpaste, they would never notice. And no. So the story is tiny fraction of a millimeter wider, 7% more toothpaste being used by people. So now imagine that you increase the diameter or, uh, or radius, whatever, if you, if you want to stick to the actual formula of the basketball hoop by a fraction of an inch or yeah. by an inch or whatever, and you increase scoring in basketball 7% or 8% or 9%, suddenly a team averaging... 102 points a game is averaging 110 or 111 points a game. That is an enormous difference. That's a humongous difference, right? Now, obviously, it's not the same calculation at all when you're talking about the size of the bases, but fractions of inches or inches of, of like in a game, in games where 
every play at for even the most routine play at first the the throw is beating the runner by a, a one second yes and usually it's half a second or a third of a second or a tenth of a second you are now talking about exponentially higher numbers of close plays and way more plays that used to go in the in that were called out that will not be safe yep like and no and how many stolen bases that are where the guy's out by it's a perfect throw and the even when it's a perfect throw the guy's out by oh, six nothing. inches a yeah, foot yeah, at yeah. most like at most, at most. So there are just like these, I think Theo is right. I think that these incredibly small changes that to the naked eye, the average fan won't even see are going to result in more interesting and exciting things happening all the time in the game. Absolutely. Absolutely. Which leads to the third big change, which is one that I've come around to. You've been actually a big supporter of this for a while. I've always said, "Eh," I, I, I was never like, thoroughly against it i just was like eh, it's not going to make that much of a difference i don't I'm, I'm not as interested in it and that is that uh they are the they have banned the shift mm-hmm. now what banning the shift means is very interesting it's not as simple as as people might think the big thing that everybody will notice is that you now have to have two uh, fielders on each side of second base. You cannot right. have two fielders on one side of of the back. So your shortstop can stand. He can stand literally an inch to the left of second base as he's standing behind it. But he can't stand behind it. He, he, no part of his body can be uh, straight on. Like the home plate umpire can look straight on, and if he sees that he's standing there, he'll move him over. He cannot stand. Any part of him cannot be behind the bag, but he can stand right. super close to the bag. Right. Second baseman, same thing, although no second baseman will be. Maybe it gets right-handed hitters, maybe. I don't know. Um, and that's the thing people are talking about because, you know, that's the part that we all sort of uh, recognized. But Theo and others have said this to me, and I believe they're right. The big, the big, big part of this is not where they're standing uh, vertically, I mean, uh, horizontally, right? It's where they're standing vertically. vertically. Yep. Everybody on the infield has to have two feet on the dirt. Yep. That is the rule, uh, as of this year. And as Theo said, and he's right, he's like, look, we've known since the dawn of time, uh, that it matters how deep the infield is playing, because that's why, you know, Hey, if I bring the infield in, that's a risk. You know, that's why you have to be very careful when you bring the infield in, because you bring him in too much, you're going to give a lot more hits up. So his his thought is, we're bringing the infield in from where they were standing last year. Um, and we have a rule in place now. And the rule is that they have to have two feet on the infield dirt. The infield dirt, that can change how close the infield dirt is, right? Yeah, sure. So suddenly there's some control over this. And I think the best part of all of it is no more four-man outfields, which yeah. I think was the – no matter how much you're like, hey, I want baseball to be free and do whatever it, it does, nobody is going to miss the four-man outfield. Nobody's going to miss line drives in a right field that the second baseman – catches you know on in, in short right nobody's gonna miss that a- nope. anyway no player is gonna miss it no fan is gonna miss it i mean maybe some pitchers will miss it but that's it nobody else is gonna care and i'm now around to the point where 
I think it's going to have an impact on the game. I think, you know, there, there are people have different feelings about how big the impact will be. I think it'll have a noticeable impact on the game, but even more, uh, or at least as importantly to me, it's going to look more like baseball used to look, Yep. you know, and I think this is a, one for the, this is one, by the way, this is one for the traditionalists, yeah. right? You want the, the Joe Sheehan's and the, and the, the folks who are like, this isn't, this isn't going to look like baseball anymore. This is going to look more like baseball. Yeah. This is what we all grew up with. They they never did. This is a this is a recent phenomenon that was based on the tracking of enormous amounts of data. Right. And it was like, wait a second, we do, there's no rule that says we have to play one guy <laughs> at the shortstop position, one guy at the second base position. Right. Let's put our third baseman in short right field. Yep. <laughs> let's let's move this guy over here. And then what what you are left with is uh is every left-handed hitter in the game absolutely murdering the ball yep. and the crowd rising to its feet in anticipation of joy and happiness and then looking and, oh, there's a guy standing right there. Standing right and there. It's not even a hard play. Not no, even and a hard and play. And then, and like deep fly balls into the right field corner that are caught by the shortstop, like a <laughs> F, F6 in your book and a ball that's in foul territory in right field. And also, by the way, it's obviously more common with lefties, but Mookie Betts, the world's greatest living human being, Mookie Betts, yes. has been robbed of so much joy and happiness, and so have we, the fans who love him, right. because they shift to the their second baseman is playing shortstop. Absolutely. The shortstop's playing between shortstop and third, and he's murdering the ball to the other side, and that those balls are being set, settling into the gloves of of the infielders, and like I I don't care what you uh, what your argument is it is not good for the game when the best hitters in the game hit 110 mile an hour line drives right. that are routinely caught because they have a large amount of data about where those right, guys hit because the ball. they've got great analytics departments exactly yes I, it's just not like congratulations you solved the puzzle and the game is really boring and mookie bets who in any if mookie bets played in the 1960s he would be hitting 338 every Absolutely. year. Absolutely. He would have 55 doubles. He would have <laughs> he would he would be I mean he's he look, he's on a Hall of Fame trajectory already, but he last year, you know, these he's hitting 269, 271. Like that is not good for the game when no. you're when the premier hitters in the game can't get base hits. Like that well, is not And the whole a league is hitting thing. 240. Yeah, I mean it's the, the, none of that is yeah. Is fun. The other the other element uh, to me of this is, and this is something you, you mentioned, Joe. I'll mention Joe Sheehan one more time. Joe's argument, which I, all right, I can at least see, is he's like, look, this, what you're doing is you're you're basically saying you didn't like the way the game looked, which is I, yes, that's right. Correct. If you don't like the way the game looked, you change it. I mean, that's that's part of it. But he's like, this rewards a certain kind of hitter. It rewards a pull hitter. And and instead of instead of expanding them as hitters, it 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 says, okay, you know what? Well, we're going to cater to your kind of hitting. And I just want to say, I just could not disagree with that more. You go back through the history of baseball; the best hitters are pole hitters. This is Mickey not, Mantle and Ted Williams. <laughs> and Ted Williams Babe Ruth was, and... a, was Babe Ruth. This was they were ultimate pole hitters i mean ted williams was such a pole hitter they invented that's the why they invented the shift yeah yeah that's the best hitters are always pole hitters and and that's not to 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 knock you know some of the guys who can spray it all around of course that's great but even those guys wanted to pull the ball if they could 
Pulling yeah. the ball is where your power is. That's where you're you're going to get your extra base hits uh, for the most part. And and so the idea that it's like, oh, well, this rewards hitters. Why? Because hitters couldn't hit ground balls to the left side. When has that been a good thing for baseball? When was it yeah. ever a good thing to see like, oh, uh, you know, sure, Ted Williams can can rifle the ball, you know, 500 feet to right or hit a 115 mile an hour line drive. But can he roll a ground ball to the left side? You know, that's not baseball. And and so I do think that uh, I think it's going to be good. I, it's I also that that argument is also missing a key part. And we've talked about this ad nauseum, but we'll talk about it again. That in the old days the best pitchers in the league were throwing 92 miles an hour. That's right. And it is, it is very easy. And that's a thing that like when you're, if you're analyzing the game, it's very easy to say, Hey guys, if they shift on you, just hit the ball. Just do something different with your bat. Right. Right. Just do, do X, Y, and Z change the way that you swing and the way that you have been taught your whole life to swing, change everything about your stance as if you could say to a golfer, Hey, just change your swing real quick. That's right. To, to match <laughs> this, right. to match that's, this course, like you course. can't. Exactly. That's not possible, and it's doubly not possible when everybody you face throws ninety eight, sits at ninety eight, and touches a hundred. Yep. And has eleven of the craziest breaking pitches you've ever seen. Absolutely. Like you, there is too much for hitters to have to deal with. And 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 I would say also, there's too much for hitters to have to deal with to just simply adjust and change their swings. But I would also add that at times in the past when the game has been in trouble, they have they lowered the mound. I mean, yes. if you like what were traditionalists saying at that point, they lowered the mound. They did? Because yes. pitchers were too dominant because because Mickey Lolich and Bob Gibson <laughs> and all these guys, Bob Gibson had a 112 ERA. Yeah, 1.12 ERA. Like, yeah, so you so what happens? You say this isn't good for the game. We That's need right. to, the hitters are overmatched. Things have gotten too uh, weighted on one side. Ted Williams won a batting title, or Yastrzemski won a batting title, hitting three hundred one one year. Yep. So you like there is precedent for this, and and really what's happened is I think the steroid era of baseball led to a situation where the offense was league-wide was enormous was clicking like crazy yes everybody was hitting home runs tons of runs being scored everybody was happy because the game felt exciting and like whatever then that era ended and since then everything has gone in favor of defense and pitching yes combination of pitchers getting better and better and better with uh more of them more of them yes being used in different ways openers never existed before 10 years ago right or five years ago every reliever throws 99 some of them throw 105 like the mound <laughs> is still 60 feet six inches like the all everything has and and then also the data says oh let's shift our defensive players in this direction yes we have basically overcorrected for the steroid era so that every advantage is now the defense and every league worth its salt that has a problem like this makes adjustments. The the NFL was like, you know what? These games aren't exciting enough. So we are now going to call if a cornerback so much as lays a finger <laughs> on a receiver after five yards, that is illegal. There are think about this. There is illegal contact, defensive holding, and pass interference. That's All right. three of those things All are the same thing. It's the same thing. And yet there are three different penalties to legislate 
the degree to which they want receivers to be open and be able to catch the ball. And what has happened? The offense has gone up and the games got more exciting. And also, importantly, defenses adjusted. They they have figured out ways. The cornerbacks are playing at an insanely high level. They've changed the way the safeties rotate through. They've changed the way linebackers are now covering wide receivers because the linebackers run a (laughs) 4-3-40. So this is not... None of the stuff that baseball is doing is, in my mind, so overwhelming or irrevocable or, um, or... you know, dramatic that it suddenly the games are not going to be 53 minutes no. long and, and two to nothing or whatever. The games are going to shift back. The dead time is gone. The offense now has an, a couple advantages they didn't have before, which should make the game more exciting. The game should be higher scoring, more hits, more base runners, more stolen bases. And that is a long overdue correction that basically since the steroid era ended, since Barry Bonds was and Alex Rodriguez were, <laughs> were, were caught and were drummed out of baseball, everything has been moving in favor of pitching and defense. And now they're saying, okay, enough. The game can't continue that way where there's no action and, and hours and hours of dead time. And I think it's going to be great. I think it's going to be great. I, I, I agree with you 100%. I think it's going to be... It's going to be a lot of fun. There's going to be a lot of adjustments. I think that's 100% right. Pitchers are going to figure this out. It's not like, yeah. it's you know, the, the defenses are going to figure it out. I was on a radio show today and they were asking me, what are teams going to do defensively now that they're limited with the, with the stint? But what are they going to do defensively? And I said, I'm not 100% sure what they're going to do. But they'll do something. Yeah. I mean, that's 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 they're in there right now trying to figure out ways to take advantage of this. That's the game, and that's what's exciting yeah. about it. And in a lot of ways, it was solved before. You know, I mean, it was like you couldn't play a more effective defense than putting fielders exactly where they hit the ball eighty three percent of the time. I'm mean, right. I mean, that's you know. Yeah. So so I think that this is look. I am. I am so excited about it. I I think it's going to be and there're going to be bumps, there's going to be moments that people complain. You know, I was asking Theo about going to Theo so much of, about the bigger bases and uh he said, "Look, guaranteed within the first month of the season, somebody's going to trip on one of the bigger bases or something and they're going to break a leg and everybody's going to rip baseball because that's what happens and they're going to say this never would have happened otherwise." Right. And and he goes, look, that's that's just going to happen, and you have and to. They'll be ignoring the all the times that for that base runners tripped over exactly uh, the ankle of the of the first baseman, and and I mean Bryce Harper, right? This yes. is like it. This is another thing. Is from pure player safety standpoint, there have been a lot of really bad injuries of guys hyperextending knees Absolutely. when they're stretching, of tripping over guys, of pull like marquee players have gone down at like hitting first base at a dead sprint because of a collision or a trip or an ankle or this or that like and and no one that you're right no one is going to remember those moments when something bad happens on one of these bases no one's going to remember that that was already happening and that this is probably going to decrease the number of incidents exactly that that occur and so yeah it's like anytime you change anything the first time something goes wrong everyone loses their mind but you're going to have to look at five years of data or at least a full season of data to say like, okay, this was better. And there's no way it's not going to be better unless I'm missing something. There's no way it's not going to decrease injuries, 
make the game more exciting, add drama, add base hits, add stolen bases. Like I I'm fired up, man. I think this is the most excited I've been going into a season for the yeah. league. Forget about my team, but for the right. league and in my lifetime, maybe yes. like this feels I, like a new, a, a potential new dawn of interesting stuff happening in, in the game. I, I agree. I agree a hundred percent. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, we got a bunch of questions. You, you want to answer some questions from of course our, I do. From our, of course you do. Why, why, why wouldn't you want to answer? Why would I not? Some listener questions. All right, here we go. Let's, uh, I'll just go through them in order here. All right. MLB Swag Index wants to know, who would win in a baseball game between The Office and Parks and Rec? The, I assume this is the characters are playing, not the actors. I don't I think it might be the actors. I don't know. You think the character? We could be the characters. They use the, they, I think it's the characters. All um, right. Uh, in real life, both shows had, there was a, uh, there was a softball league where show, okay. teams from shows competed against each other. And uh, I would say, and they were both good teams. Like the the uh, the crews of both teams had some good players on them. I would say probably Parks and Rec for a couple of reasons. Nick Offerman is a very good softball player, baseball sure. player. Um, we also uh, there is a woman named Emily who is a who worked in the production staff who was a ball girl for the Dodgers. Played college softball with a ball girl for the Dodgers oh, wow. and was once on Sports Center making an incredible. <laughs> catch of a line drive that would have knocked a spectator absolutely oh. unconscious because the spectator was looking at his phone and she like <laughs> leaped in and like grabbed the ball right as it was about to hit his head. Um, also Mark Evan Jackson who played, who was in the good place. He played Trevor, the uh, horrible yes. evil demon and was also a, uh, was on parks and rec as a lawyer. Um, he is a secretly a, a sneaky good athlete, and he Ooh, was really? an excellent softball player. Yeah, so I'm gonna say uh, off the top yeah. of my head, I gotta say Krasinski's probably can play, right? Krasinski Jim? can play. Krasinski's main sport was basketball, though. Yeah, which I figured basketball. That that episode where they played the the warehouse played the upstairs crew in right. in basketball. Like Krasinski's, he's tall dude, and he's very skilled athletically. So, but I'm going to say soft, if it's baseball, I'm going to say Parks and Rec. Polar is a good athlete too, by the way. Polar, oh, we did yeah. an episode of Parks and Rec uh, about <clears throat> bowling and Polar like legit bowled a bunch of strikes, but we were like, <laughs> we were going to like, we we're like, don't worry, we'll fix it. We'll like, we'll, you know, visual effects will knock the pins down. And she was like, oh yeah, watch this. And then like bowled a bunch of strikes in a row. <laughs> so I, I'm going to say Parks and Rec, but it would be close because both, um, both, uh, both teams had some very good athletes on them. Okay. All right. Keith Olson wants to know, should MLB create a Con Smythe style playoff MVP award since the playoffs are now as long as the NHL? A hundred percent they should. A hundred percent. Yeah. And it should be like every bit as um, important as the regular season MVP. Here's, here's the problem though. It just occurred to me. You know what they would call it? 
what would they call it? The Derek Jeter MVP. <laughs> no, they, they would. No, yeah, they would not. No, yeah, stop. They would. No, they would. No. What, who else would they give it to? The Kurt Gibson. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, they would absolutely call it the Derek Jeter postseason MVP award, and it would kill me. <sighs> so I'll, no, I'll say no, provisionally, you know what they provisionally Derek... yes, if, if as long as it's not called the Derek Jeter postseason MVP <laughs> award. Rodney wants to know you're appointed baseball commissioner and you negotiate that you're allowed to make one trade for the good of the game. What do you do? Ooh. This is good. And I think we're both thinking about the same guy who's got to go to the I mean, you got to get Otani out of <laughs> you Anaheim, right? Otani out of, out of Anaheim. You just have to. You but just where does he to. go? The, the thing is, you don't send him to a glory franchise, though. I think you send him to an East Coast, a, a, an up and come. You send him to the Guardians or something, right? Oh, I'd like that. Yeah. You can or or uh, what are the, let's, it's like what you want him to, what you want to do is send him to a team that plays on the East Coast so he's yes. more visible or at least in the Eastern time zone or max the central time zone, but you don't, you don't send them to the Mets or the Yankees no, or the Red no. Sox. You, and you don't send them to the nationals. Cause that team is ugh, no. Yeah. You know, the oh, guardians the have the guardians now have this endless drought, right? Uh, the, the right. one of a series since 48. So that would be, that's like, and, and then him playing with like Jose Ramirez, that would be so fun. That would be fun. <laughs> But uh, who, who, who? Let's just think for a second. Other franchise, other possibilities for where he goes. What about like a Cubs or a Cincinnati or Cubs somebody I like that? I thought of, but the Cubs just won seven years ago. Yeah, man. we can't like have. You, what about the Reds? Yeah, they're so. Oh, they're they're better than they. They're than better. They, they've been. Look, I would love were. to send them to the Pirates, but I would never do that to him. No, you couldn't send him. Well, if, <laughs> look, if the Pirates have a surprise, if Cabrian Hayes. <laughs> and O'Neill Cruz like take a leap and like suddenly they're in they're like a 500 team or something Otani on the Pirates would rule that would be great <laughs> but I I would say right now I trade Otani to the Guardians uh for a player to be named later <laughs> and just <laughs> so that you don't have to rob the Guardians roster of anything and get I, him get him like Otani playing in that stadium with that franchise like in the playoffs that oh, would be electric be so great yeah we got to get otani to the playoffs man we just it just has and to happen. by the way the other answer well, is obviously mike is mike trout. trout of course of course he just doesn't want to leave <laughs> that's the problem with him i actually thought you know what would be really really fun is to have mike trout and bryce harper on the same team Ooh, like that would re. Of course, Phillies fans would be happy with that. Of course, and he's Philadelphia guy, right? I mean, yeah. like he's the yes. Eagles guy. Yeah, that would have just. I don't know. That just feels. That he's feels. A, he's a Jersey guy who roots for the Eagles. Right, so. right, right. But he's. Yeah. But that's legit. I mean, that's legit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's close to no Trout on the Phillies. Uh, <clears throat> imagine Trout going to the Phillies. The Phillies with that team. Oh my gosh! Now going especially. on another going on another run, and yes. then suddenly Mike Trout is not only in the playoffs, <laughs> but is like just like mashing the ball in the World Series. God, I'm that would just be so I'm fun. Just, Trey Turner, Mike Trout, Bryce Harper. That lineup right there. <laughs> like how how incredible yeah, you know would what? that be? Given the fact. Given the fact that Otani can leave after this year and is almost certainly going to, yes, I would think he will. The answer might actually be Mike Trout. Like, yeah, yeah, that might be the answer is to get Trout to the Phillies and then and have. I mean, the NL East is already so ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. Put, put Mike Trout in that outfield. <laughs> oh man, that's. I think that's the answer because Otani can leave, right? Like right. Trout. If we don't step in as MLB commissioner with the power to force one trade, <laughs> if we don't step in, Mike Trout's going to die. 
at the it, age of 107, yes. having never played in a meaningful baseball game. Right. In his having every life. record of the book and never playing in a meaningful game in yeah. his entire life. Yeah. Yeah. The Not greatest player of all time never like was one for 12 in his playoff career or whatever he is. <laughs> it's not right. It's not right. I, I thought of another place for, uh, for Otani, uh, the Orioles. Ooh. Because that Orioles team is kind of getting a Gunner little Gunnar Henderson, yeah. Adley Rutschman, and then suddenly Shohei Otani. Shohei Otani. <laughs> <laughs> then they have a glory player at like every key position up right? the middle. Like, and then suddenly Camden Yards catcher. is alive again. And, uh... and and by the way, in that ballpark, yeah. Otani's hitting 70 home runs in that ballpark, <laughs> right? <laughs> and striking out 308 guys. You know I mean? Oh, it's just, man. oh. I like he, that a lot. The that, Otani on the Otani to the Orioles with the, with like the four four of the ten best prospects in baseball <laughs> just coming up to the majors. Man. Be kind of fun. That would be kind of fun. All right, Broad Brad wants to know: Should the sign outside a fabric cleaning service read "cleaners" with with no apostrophe or "cleaners" apostrophe s? The first implies more than one is on premise. The second implies singular ownership to the business. Yeah, it's. I think it's no. Well, I go through this exact thing with writers' room. Oh right? yeah, in that's right. TV. There's a question of writers' room. Is it our <laughs> room? So it should it be s apostrophe? Right. It's, it's the writers' room. ownership over the room, right. or is it like the writers' room? Like this is where the writers are. Yeah. Right. Uh, and it and it's. I don't. I usually do s apostrophe just kind of to be a jerk. <laughs> just like to just to be annoying um but i think either one works i would say cleaners plural not possessive i think that's right, right answer but i actually think writers should not have possessive either writers it, i go i go back and forth again i'm i'm mostly doing it to be annoying when i put the apostrophe after the s but um but i, I can see both sides i think i think for cleaners i think it should not be possessive no possessive. these are just this is a group of They're people just cleaners. Who clean. this is where yeah. cleaners are yeah yeah i, I think so is there any hope or reason to watch for the tanking franchises this season, like the Nats, Pirates, Rockies, Tigers, A's, or Reds? The Reds have there's a there's good reasons to watch the Reds this year. And the Tigers, and the Tigers yeah. really and the fully Tigers. Tanking? Yeah, I don't like think the, the Tigers are. No, tanked. I don't think they are either. Not anymore. But the Reds have some legit. Who's the the shortstop? Ellie. Uh, oh, Ellie de la Cruz. Yeah, de that la Cruz. Guy. Yeah. Oh, like that. Can't that wait. guy. That guy alone is like is worth the is worth watching. Like that's they are the 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 Orioles and the Reds are the and and to some extent the Pirates are like in a couple of years they're the Sacramento Kings of baseball where like they've suddenly stocked their team with like eight guys who can really hit. Yes, and they might have like they might have legitimate offenses. I'm their pitching is still suspect, but. They have a bunch of guys on those teams coming up now because they've been so bad for so long and they had such high draft choices for so long. But there are there are definitely I don't know if there's a reason to watch the A's honestly. Like the I don't, A's probably not. The, and I'll tell you what the Nationals. Blech. Nationals I, probably not. Oh, uh, I'm telling you what a what a terrible moribund sports city Washington has become. Yeah, man. Right. I mean, the Wizards might be the worst franchise in sports. The Wizards, you know, the Wizards, they just not matter. When was the last time they mattered? So the Wizards um, have on their team maybe the most valuable possible uh, 
thing that they can have, which is a legitimate superstar player. Yep. And Bradley Beal. Yep. And year after year, the team is garbage and they don't <laughs> trade him. I don't understand. Look, maybe he doesn't want to leave. I can't imagine that's the case. How is Bradley Beal still on that team? It's, you know, how many franchises are there in the NBA <laughs> who would Jason Tatum and Bradley Beal are like best friends. They grew up in they grew up in St. Louis together. <laughs> they played together. Like, how is Bradley Beal not on the Celtics? Like yeah. I and and how are the how are the Wizards how do they think like no we we need to hold on to a guy a, leg, a, a guy who like scores 28 a game and is like a legitimate NBA legitimate superstar, superstar and no one and not get Rudy Gobert was what five first round picks for that guy <laughs> what does Bradley Beal get you what are they doing like how do they, how I, are they not that franchise is not insane. they have not mattered since they changed the name from Bullets, I don't think they. Which, which I think we listed Bullets, by the way, as one of those things we never talk enough about. That there was yeah. actually a, a team called that was Bullets. called the Bullets, which is just amazing. Yeah, uh, yeah, they're 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 bad pirates. You know, watch O'Neill Cruz. I think O'Neill Cruz, Cruz and Cabrian Hayes make it make it's worth. It'll be. I'll watch three Pirates games this year yeah. just to see those guys play. Rockies. No, 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 probably not. Probably not. All right. Are the Meadowlark goons more of a Steve Cohen type or a small market owner who meddles too much and complains all the time about not making a profit? No, they're neither. They're like old school casino mafia. era. Yeah, mafia that's, right. Guys. that's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. No, they're yeah. the good. They're the they are the guys from casino. Like yeah. literally. Uh, they're they're, just, it's they're, just constant threats of like broken knees and it's, it's, it's just awful. guys showing up with baseball bats and like <laughs> showing up outside your kid's school. Oh yeah. Sure you see them. So it's like, Show, you know where your kid goes to school. Showing like up that. with like bags filled with oranges. Cause they know that doesn't leave bruises like yeah. that kind of, they're that kind I've, of, I mean the number of bricks I've had tossed through my window. It's, it's, know. it's terrible. It's terrible. Alex wants to know, is Mike leading a happier and more fulfilling life since he left Twitter? Um, Ooh, good question. I don't know if I'm happier or more fulfilled. I would say I'm, I'm, uh, there, there's a good and a bad part of it. The good part of it is I am, I have avoided a bunch of rabbit holes and, um, and, and, and fury generating, interactions i don't respond i turned my notifications off 10 years ago so i don't see whatever whatever mean things or troll comments are being directed to me i never see them so that's right. that's not my problem that is the problem for some people that has never been my problem my problem has been a kind of feeling of like i need to know everything every outrageous thing that is happening in the country i need to be aware of it right and then i need to regurgitate it and i ended up just reading and reading and reading and reading and getting outraged and outraged and outraged and outraged i still keep up on that sort of news i just do it through other sites and i still get outraged but i i'm not in a constant state of yeah. outrage yeah that's good the bad part of it is honestly i miss the good parts of twitter and there right. were good parts of twitter there were funny there were people who wrote great jokes. I found a bunch of writers and hired a bunch of writers purely from their Twitter accounts. Sure. There is legitimate entertainment and joy that comes out of that site, or at least used to, that has been selectively removed from my life in part because of the Twitter algorithm, even before I left, was so screwed up that 
I wasn't seeing the people that I cared about anymore. I was only seeing Elon Musk tweeting dumb Spider-Man memes. <laughs> and I was like, this is garbage. I don't like this anymore. And then also now that I'm, I'm sort of left it, I still, I have a dummy account where I only follow journalists and baseball people. Right. And I, and I, I systematic. So I check that dummy account once or twice a day just to read the news. I don't interact with anyone. I don't like anything. I don't like retweet anything. I have right. no followers at all. So I'm, I, in my head, at least I'm not contributing any value to his company. <laughs> uh, but, um, and so I get like, I find stats of the day that way. I find other stuff that way, just news and information. Um, but I can't follow all of the funny people I want to follow right. um, with on that Demi account. And as a result, I do feel a little bit of a void. But I console myself by saying like the site was falling apart for oh, what yeah. I liked it for. It was falling apart before I left. And so I wouldn't be getting that experience even if I were on my account all the time. All 100% true. It's such a shame. I mean, there were definitely... I've made lifelong friends on Twitter. I mean, it's yeah. it's it's a real it's a real shame. What? All right. Uh, let's see here. Adam wants to know: Was my wife pretending to be interested when I was marveling at the fact that the Minnesota Twins haven't had a number one pitcher since Johan Santana? <laughs> <laughs> All right, hold on. There's a lot to unpack there. Read that again, please. Okay. Was my wife just pretending to be interested? When I was marveling at the fact that the Minnesota Twins haven't had a dominant number one pitcher since Johan Santana, first okay. of all, that's true. Let's start, let's let's start let's break this down uh, as you would a sentence. First right. of all, it is true the Minnesota Twins have not had a dominant number one starter or who's really even, any kind. Who's of even one close? Starter. Like who's who's a who's a Barrios? Who, I guess had the year where he Barrios was, is like a number two ish maybe maybe, guy. maybe not. He won for the Blue Jays last year. No. Yeah, I don't think the Twins have had anything even resembling a number one starter since Joanne Santana. Okay, so obviously, sir, we don't know your wife. I don't, don't know. She might have been legit. If she's a baseball fan, she might have been legitimately interested sure. in that, as I am, as you are. In That's that, right. In that observation. So I, I don't know the answer. Well, I think I do know the answer. The okay. fact he was asking if she was pretending to be interested suggest to me that she was that would suggest <laughs> that she was pretending to be interested yeah right however right. i but uh but also like if look i'll say this if i said to my wife right now hey honey isn't it interesting <laughs> that the twins haven't had a dominant number one starter since johan santana uh she would not pretend to be interested in that right she would say what are you talking about what's a number one starter who are the twins who's johan santana why should i care about this that's right if she said whoa that's really interesting i would go okay you're pretending to be interested. <laughs> so yeah. i feel like you should you should know the answer to this i guess i'm what i'm saying to this to this person is you you should know whether or not your wife or anyone is legitimately interested in that. Right. Well, here's what I would say of the people I know in my life, 3% would be interested in that fact. And you're but, a professional sports writer. And I'm a professional <laughs> sports writer. 3%. Nobody in my family, nobody in my family, even no, literally nobody in my family would be interested in me saying that. Some of my uh, best friends who are huge baseball fans would not be interested. Would not be interested in that. So, so, but we don't know. His wife might be Johan Santana's cousin. Right. Right. I mean, like, there's lots of possibilities here. We don't know. Her 
her his wife might um be the executive vice president of the target corporation <laughs> in charge of media relations for well, the twins but see here's the thing so this it, you, you don't know like if i said that to ellen adair she would be interested. She Alan would, be would interested. immediately. If we said that to Sarah Lang, there are certain Sarah. Instantly. There are certain people who would go like, "Wow, I guess that's right." I yeah. guess that's right. I, that's. Yeah. I mean, we can. There are definitely people. If we said it to Brandon McCarthy, no, Brandon would not be interested. I don't think. No, he. Yeah, he would not. He would go. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> JMU Sports Blog wants to know: Are you writing a book? I think that that's for me. Uh, and listen, I. Well, obviously, the answer is no. Let's move to the next question. No, no, I've been meaning to tell you this. Uh, I am. I'm writing a book. Well, I've actually written a book. Uh, I know. I I should have told you this earlier. Uh, I'm writing a book called Why We Love Baseball, which is coming out in September. But I'm glad that JMU Sports Blog asked this question because I can tell people that starting whenever you're listening to this, you can actually go to Rainy Day Books our favorite little bookstore in Kansas city and uh, pre-order the book. The book is available for pre-order. It's available for pre-order everywhere, but if you order it from rainy day books, pre-order there, uh, I will sign the book with anything you want. I will dedicate the book with anything you want. Are you putting a limit on it this time? He said, uh, so, we, so Jeffrey is the guy who, uh, we work with rainy day books. Jeffrey is putting, I think a hundred, 50 character character limit, limit. okay yeah. now for those of you who are not aware of this joe uh did this with um his first book the baseball 100 which is it's 2600 pages long right and it's, not, it's a, not my first it's not my first it book, weighs right. it that was your first book and it weighs <laughs> it weighs a quarter of a ton right that's and right it weighs, that's it right weighs 490 pounds we rounded up to a quarter of a ton that's and right. he did this a promotion with rainy day books and put no limit on it that's and right so when he went to sign these books which is uh, uh a couple of years ago now um there were people had written para- paragraphs oh, paragraphs yeah, full, of text, full length like things. letters to their fathers or or right. to their to their daughters or sons and it took you how long to sign all those books uh it took me Three days, two or three, three days, days or something, something like that. Yeah. Then I was like, that's a great idea. I would like to do that for my book because I also wrote a book. Wait, uh, called what? How, yeah, it's called How to Be Perfect and it's been out for about a year now. What? And so I did it too. And I put a 10 word limit on it <laughs> and I signed uh, 2,400 books that's and inscribed right. them over the course of two days and really like one full day and one half day that's right and uh and and joe came and very kindly held me and uh, to pay him back i gave him COVID. he gave me COVID. that's right so, <laughs> so this time i would say the <laughs> this time i i was going to say if you don't put a limit on it you are you have lost your mind no i'm definitely it's a 150 character limit but here's the thing jeffrey seemed to believe that would be better than putting a 10 word limit on it i think i think characters is the right way to go yeah but 150 characters is more than 10 words yeah that's, you're that right that feels that's longer that's that's, that's 10 old, 15 that's character style, words <laughs> that's an old style tweet that will not limit people as much as i would like it to limit people no it should be 100 characters probably well, it should have been I like say. anyway it is 150 characters uh for all of you who want this there's also going to be this time around all sorts of cool special prizes, uh, I've been told, that will be going out randomly to people. There might be some special guest stars involved. So uh, very, very exciting. 
Uh, this is super cool. And again, I will write anything you want uh, at all. I mean, there's there's no... So I could, for example, I could order a book right now at rainydaybooks.com and I could ask you to say, uh, Mike, I'm very sorry I never told you I was writing this book. <laughs> That's on me. Deepest apologies. I humbly beg for your Oh my gosh, is that 150 characters? I'll, I'll bet that's about 150 characters. <laughs> you, you can go on there and you could say, have me write, Mike, you were right. I stink. Oh, I well, that's what I'm going to do. By the way, I think I'm probably going to order conservatively 10 copies of this book <laughs> through any day books and have you inscribe a bunch of different things to a bunch of different people. <laughs> Uh, and and they will it will be all of the things that I want in your handwriting <laughs> to show to hold as proof of various things that I ascribe to you. I, I I'm I'm very happy about this. I'm happy you're doing this again. I encourage everyone to do it. It is a it's a it, first of all just ordering books from a local bookstore is the oh, best way the best. to order books. It's the best. But also the experience um, of actually signing those books was one of the weirdest, <laughs> most difficult, and also at the end of the day, enjoyable yes. experiences of my life. And that includes the fact that I both got COVID and gave Joe COVID. <laughs> it's going to be very exciting. And, and apparently we're doing a whole different thing this year. We're actually renting a room to do it. Like we did Good. this in the basement of... Uh, of the bookstore, we're actually going to rent a room. There's going to be a whole thing, but there really will be incredibly cool prizes. Uh, I can't tell you a, a lot of stuff yet because we're still in the midst of working it, but there are going to be some really cool partners for this book. So this Excellent. is why we love baseball countdown of the greatest moments in baseball history. Uh, I, I cannot remember a more fun experience uh, than I, than I had writing this book. Um, I think you'll love it. Rainydaybooks.com. You can pre-order it. Uh, you can also pre-order it other places. You just won't get all of the cool right. extras. Um, Frank, a funk hunter wants to know, what's your prediction for O'Neill Cruz this year? Have you ever seen a more insane infield arm? Sheesh. Okay, so that's the full the full thing. So my my prediction for O'Neill Cruz this year is that he will throw two infield he will throw two infield balls to first base. That will make me scream out loud. Ooh, good. I like that. Right? Don't you think? My my prediction will be that he will throw a ball so hard it will break <laughs> the pocket of his first baseman's glove at some point. It'll, just, it'll go right through it. It'll literally it'll be go like right in Bugs Bunny, it. Bugs Bunny style. It will just go. It'll go through the pocket of the glove. Then it will go. Uh, it'll keep going. It'll go through the netting behind first base, <laughs> and then there will be a spectator holding a box of popcorn. It will go through <laughs> go the through popcorn the bag, and the, there will be a little wisp of smoke that's coming off the bag of popcorn. And he uh, will also hit a one hundred and twenty mile an hour uh, exit velocity. At least yeah. one of those, right? At least, yeah. What, I, a, I, what a joyous freak that guy is. I just. I, have you ever? That's a good question, though. Have you ever seen a stronger arm? I mean, the the arms that I remember from my youth feeling, and and it's probably um, you're talking about infield arm, infield arms, infield yeah, arm. like yeah. Sean Dunstan when Sean Dunstan. Sean Dunstan had a great arm, but I've always been a little skeptical about it because Sean Dunstan would throw the ball as hard as he could on every single play. Yeah, so like routine ground balls hit by like. Carlton Fisk or whatever, and I'm not Carlton Fisk himself, but like slow catchers, he'd still throw the ball as hard as he could. So, so we have more, we've seen him do it more often. Like right. I think Cal Ripken 
actually had a crazy strong arm, just never used it. He only used it when he absolutely had to. Yeah. Uh, and then he would unleash it. I think Nolan Arenado's got a Arenado is the, arm. Arenado's the only left side of the infield guy. Well, and, and Machado. Those guys on the left side of the infield, when you think about like, a, and Matt Chapman, I would throw Matt oh, Chapman. Oh, Matt Chapman's good too. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, but O'Neill Cruz is so large as a human being that his throws seem it just feels like it's physics at some well, level and he it's does like, and and he does this thing like there are there are people like look a rod had a great arm for for you know but came out of his arm easy right he like he threw yeah. it it didn't look like he was doing that. o'neill cruz looks like he's trying to knock the first baseman down with his throws yeah. i mean like he's he puts his whole body into it what a joy and that's why it's really fun to uh, to talk about Dela Cruz of the Reds because he's like the same guy only maybe yeah. even better he's a, yeah. another six foot five shortstop with a bazooka of an arm who who hits like crazy yeah oh that's what a great time. I have I have very high hopes for that guy the 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 O'Neill Cruz phenomenon though is like it feels like uh, him playing shortstop feels like an evolutionary leap the way that like Shaq felt like an yes. evolutionary leap or something yes, where it's I like agree. he's the it's the same position there have been centers before in the NBA right but <laughs> they didn't they couldn't do that like they couldn't they didn't they didn't break the basket when they no. dunked like what it, and that is that's the true joy of that guy is it's like Cal Ripken was an evolutionary leap. Everybody yes. who looked like Cal Ripken before Cal Ripken played third base right. or like or catcher. Yeah. And then suddenly he was playing short and playing it incredibly well. And now you it's like now and then and then along came A-Rod. Cal Ripken paved the way for the A-Rods. The 6'4, 235 guys suddenly could play shortstop. And now it's O'Neill Cruz who's appears to be i'm not sure i haven't checked he appears to be seven four or that's seven right five. seven four and and he appears to throw the ball 140 miles an hour and it's like there's a velociraptor playing shortstop now there's like a, it's like not it's a different something has fundamentally changed in the in the actual like uh physiology of the oh, athlete absolutely playing short it's funny you should say that about Shaq because i was sitting there i i remember thinking this at the time Certainly, if you're making a list of the greatest basketball players ever, you put Will Chamberlain over Shaq. Yeah. But Will Chamberlain, and Will Chamberlain was a beast. I mean, he was a beast of a man. Will You put Will Chamberlain next to Shaq. I mean, Shaq outweighs him by what? A hundred pounds? I mean, At least a hundred pounds, yeah. I mean, I'm not, I mean, of course, Will Chamberlain was an incredible athlete. He was a high jumper. He could do all these different things. But wouldn't Shaq just back him down? I mean, Will Chamberlain wouldn't stand. Will Chamberlain would look like Sean Bradley. Yeah. If he tried to guard Shaq. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, we talk about this all the time. Bill Russell was 6'9. Like, there's no 6'9 guy who gets 28 rebounds 20 a game in the NBA. <laughs> like, it's just a completely different thing. And, but that is, again, like to loop this all the way back around, that is the thing about these rule changes in baseball is the athletes are not the same. That's right. The, the the game is not the same. The speed with which people throw, the speed with which they swing, the speed at which they run, all yeah. of this stuff has changed dramatically, and the game never adjusted or did anything to stop it. And so now you're you're in a like these guys are still pitching 
from 60 feet, six inches, and they're, but they're all throwing a hundred. And you go back, I was saying this the other day, I was watching, they, uh, I think ML, the MLB channel had game seven of the 2004 ALCS on it. (laughs) And anytime that they play that, of course, I'm going to watch it. And like, you know, Mike Timlin, Pedro pitches the seventh and Mike Timlin comes in in the eighth. Mike Timlin, every pitch, it's 89, oh, yeah. 90, oh, 91, yeah. <laughs> 90, 91. At one point, he has two strikes on hitter, and he really reaches back, and he and he strikes him out with a 93-mile-an-hour pitch. He reared. Yeah. Reared back. yeah. And he was – and by the way, he's facing Gary Sheffield and A-Rod and Jeter and Posada. <laughs> he's facing the best hitters in the game at that time, and he's being remarkably effective. Yep. And granted, Timlin had good movement on his pitches. He was a smart of guy. Course. He pitched well, whatever. That guy, Mike Timlin – can't crack a major league roster today. Well, and, and I would, ago, like 20 years ago. I would love to see what Mike Timlin would do against today's roster. I mean, I, there is an argument to be made that we've become too in love with velocity, you know, that there, that there is, we've lost movement in the game. You know, of course that we haven't really lost movement because the spin rates are out, are out of right. control, but there is an argument to be made that there is still a place for those guys that throw in the low nineties, but that, that, uh, Nobody would ever give them a chance. You would never really get the opportunity to work your way up to do that. I don't know. It's an interesting I mean, Koji Uihara closed for the Red Sox in a world championship year and threw like 87. Oh, yeah. Like, and then, but there was some Bugs Bunny movement on that stuff, though. Yeah, I mean, yeah. That no, was... he he was – the granted, there's a – we're under underselling the, the acumen of these pitchers, but oh, still, yeah. it's – Yeah, no, it's crazy. It, but it's that's wild. not even that long ago, you know? I mean, that's what's yeah. – all right, I, let's do three more three more questions. Uh, Megan wants to know: Is despair an essential part of being a sports fan? And she says, "I am originally from Cleveland, as am I." Megan, <laughs> um, yes, yes. Des- despair is. It's not only an essential part of being a sports fan. I think it is the essential part of being a sports fan. I think a sports fan like your son who has never felt despair, Mm-mm. right? Never. Like, I, I, I don't know how you've hardened into a sports fan until you feel despair, you know? Well, he has felt pain, but there's a difference between pain and despair. Right, because there's pain, always hope. Pain is felt by 29 out of 30. That's right, every year. A year. And, and, and nobody can avoid that. Nobody right. avoids that. But despair, to me, you have to think of this like a great, action movie or something right which is to say the act two break of every great action movie or dramatic movie really is the lowest point in the journey the all is lost moment the hope is gone the zombies are coming are the the helicopter that was supposed to airlift us out of here just crashed and we are all alone and and we're gonna die and then the end of the movie is they overcome the obstacles and they arise heroically and right. triumph and save the day and if you don't have that despair, if you don't have the moment where, um, where whatever Han Solo fl- uh, is like, I'm not, I'm not uh, going to help you. I'm taking this money and I'm leaving and right. I'm going to pay off my debts. Right. And we're flying a suicide mission up against the Death Star. Then you don't get the moment where Han Solo shows up and <laughs> shoots uh, Darth Vader's Tie Fighter and gives Luke the chance to blow up the Death Star with his uh, uh, torpedoes. So. Yes, I think that for true sports fandom, for the highest echelon of sports fandom, the Red Sox needed 2003 before 2004. The Cubs needed. But I the, would argue. The, but I would argue, the Red Sox, as a Red Sox fan, you felt despair 
when you were a kid. I felt a low level of despair constantly. Yes, every That's year. That's what I'm saying. Then, I think that I would yeah. argue, let's let's define despair because I'd argue that a Yankees fan who was young, well, it doesn't matter how old you are. Yankees fans have never felt despair. They felt pain. Right. They or, felt, they or felt, annoyance. They, never they felt, felt like annoyance. No annoyance, right? But they've yeah. never felt like we have no chance. We have no, no. chance this year. Like we have no chance. We're never going to be good again. Uh, like Cleveland, you grow up. That's despair, right? To me, despair is different. Despair and so, is, like you, despair had is Patriots, Lions fans, Patriots, Browns fans, but Patriots, Patriots fans, fans felt despair. Pre, yeah, yeah. So that's why, to me, it's like okay. Well, if you're a Patriots fan who's old enough, you can still fall back on that despair. If you're not, if you're a Patriots fan, only the last twenty years. You've not felt despair. You have not felt yeah. anything close to despair. No, you know? Yankees fans, Yankees fans have Lions fans have felt despair every year forever. <laughs> forever. Yankees fans have never felt despair because even if if you were born in like 1980, let's right. say, or 81, or and you 82, had the 91, you were 10 when the 91, 90, those were those were bad teams. They were bad teams, but also when you were born, they were they were either world champions or oh, yeah. very recently been world champions. Oh yeah. And by the time you were 15, they were winning the World Series. Dominant again. Yeah, they've yeah. no there, no no living Yankee fan has ever felt despair. <laughs> That's right. Um, is there any like Steelers fans are close to that, right? Like they oh, but felt... if you're old enough, the Steelers were the worst. But you you'd have to be really but old. But since 19 since Terry Bradshaw. Shaw, they've That's never right. had 70. a they've been a like a middling or playoff level team pretty much every year for for decades and, right? and, and like, that brings a different kind of feeling there's a there's a sort of death feeling of being sort of in the middle and never you know moving up right i mean that not that the, the steelers have felt that but there is that feeling but despair to me is they're probably 10 teams in baseball 10 teams in the nba who are like, yeah, we're not good this year. We're not going to be good next year. We're not going to be good. I don't see when we're going to be good. Okay, and let's then, do the let's do the professional sports despair rankings. Let's okay. na let's name the top ten franchises of in despair right now. So twenty twenty three despair. Okay. Um, you would have in the NFL, the contenders are the Lions, Lions, Browns, Browns. Um. Who else is even in contention? Not the Bengals anymore, obviously. Not the no, Seahawks. The, and the obviously. Bills are back. I mean, I the Bills I are back. It's really Lions and Browns, right? Yeah, I'm looking. Let me look over the the. I guess would Bears fans try to claim despair? Bears is yeah. Bears is good. Bears There's some could, despair there. The, Although they also now have like a franchise quarterback and. The, the future right now is brighter than it's been in a while, but they yeah. probably still feel some sense. I mean, they did win like three games last year. So. <laughs> Do you think Atlanta feels despair? Can you even feel despair in, the, in that division? Oh, Atlanta. Yeah. What no. about that division? Can you feel Atlanta's, despair? Well, Atlanta's never won a Super Bowl, right? Right. So, and, and they've, they, they they had both the twenty eight to three game and the Dirty Bird year <laughs> yes. where they were a, made a miraculous run and then lost. Yeah, there's some despair for for I think Falcons fans. Could I have think. some despair. Yeah, yeah, I think they could have some despair. So those are the top three you would say in the NFL. I think so. Ly Houston Lions one, like Browns two. Oh, what about Jets? What about the Jets? Do the Jets oh, get despair? Oh my God, of course. Yes. Sorry. So I apologize. I sincerely apologize, Jets fans. I'm very sorry. Yes, of course. Yes. Massive. I mean, way above the Falcons. I would say way above the Falcons. I think it's Browns, Jets. 
uh, line. Not necessarily in that order, but I Browns, think Browns, Jets, Lions. Yeah. I would say Lions number one, Jets number two, Browns three, Falcons four. Ooh, you put the Browns third, really. Browns I have felt so. a lot of despair. Man, they moved. The team moved. Yeah. They the left. The team moved. And, and then, <laughs> and also, like, there's a whole new level of despair for Browns fans who got after Deshaun Watson of like, this Ugh. is the way we're going to try this, right? Yeah, this, oh, this is our, this is our, our plan now. Yeah. Okay, great. Okay, so those are the, so let's, let's say those are the top four in football. What are the top four in baseball? Okay. Well, Washington is definitely, although it, it, they won a been, World Series. I was going to say, have they been bad long enough? I Probably think they're, not. I think they're ruled out. I think All right, they, they're out because they're, they're I think a disgrace it's pi- now, Pirates. Pirates are up there. Pirates are, are dead. Look, what about I don't, the I don't Mariners have never won. But I don't think Cleveland or the Mariners. I think there's there's no despair now. I think people are excited about those teams. Yeah, like I think that in order to to get it, not only historically is there is have to be despair. I think there has to be a sense of despair right now. I think right now Mariners fans got to feel like this is as exciting a time as they can remember. I still think Cleveland counts though. Like that, the drought, the 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 World Series drought. And the number of close calls. Yes. I mean, they lost. They lost a World Series on a walk off. Like that's pretty. Well, bad. it's funny. When I was on the radio today, I was on radio with Cleveland Radio, and they were asking me, "Oh, well, what moments, uh, Cleveland moments, do you have in your book, The Countdown of the Most Magical Moments of Baseball History?" And I was like, "Oh, there are a few. Uh, <laughs> they're not great for Cleveland, however." <laughs> Wait, what book? No, I, I, I mean to tell you, I, I'm writing a book. I wrote a book oh, called "Why We Love Baseball." Great. Yeah, oh, that's fun. It's kind of exciting. Kind of be a out fun in like three thing. or four years, probably. No, no, it's going to come out in September. You know, you can pre-order it anywhere. You can pre-order books, but probably not a rainy day books, though, especially right? at rainydaybooks.com. It's kind of fun. All right, so Pittsburgh, All right, Pittsburgh Cleveland, for sure. What about um, Cincinnati? Yeah, I think so. I mean, 90, 90. They haven't won since 90, and they've been bad almost all those years. And they have crappy ownership. I mean, that's yeah. – there. I could see – I could definitely put them in there. Is Oakland now getting – Oakland counts. Oakland counts because – Interesting, because but they've they, been good. They have been good, and they won a World Series in the last 35 years, but – they're they're basically they're like a zombie team. They like yeah. they don't even really exist as a team. Their their stadium is a slab of concrete in right. the middle of nowhere. <laughs> they can't build a new one. They're probably leaving. Probably like if, if you're an Oakland fan, right? If you're an Oakland fan right now, you know your team's playing in Vegas in three yeah. years, and you're yeah. you're you're doomed. Like, yeah, that's that's no good. Uh, I don't. I'm not going to put Miami into the despair thing. They're, although they're, they're getting there, they'll be there in five years. Though. In five years, yeah. I when think Sandy just... Alcantara leaves and goes to the <laughs> Dodgers or whatever, like that. That'll they they have have felt a lot of that though. Like they they get a good player and then they have to watch him and him away. That's that and stinks. importantly they they're in the they're in a division right now where they are they out no of chance. the division race. They're out of the division race on opening day. Opening day. Yeah, that's true. That's true. You know, you know, who I'll throw out there. What about Minnesota? Yeah, that's a lot of despair because they've had like pretty good teams, but they know they can't beat the Yankees ever, ever. <laughs> they can't ever beat the Yankees. <laughs> All right, I like this. I like this. All right, All right, who are what about who are basketball? Yeah, uh, all the Wizards. Wizards, I, to me, could be possibly number one on their overall list. I mean, they're just the they're, Rockets are the somewhere in there now. Oh, you think um, so? It's it's, it's been. 
they they look they've had they've won some titles in the last 30 years and they've had some success but right now the uh, rockets i mean even like orlando's future is brighter than houston's you know yeah what about charlotte she's not been around pretty, long enough but it's bad it's bad by the way did you know this this is kind of an interesting it's a little bit of trivia that we like to give our listeners the charlotte hornets are owned by michael jordan did you know this the former player <laughs> It's, it's the weirdest thing you huh. would think since many people consider him the greatest player of all time, that that would have had an effect and impact well, he'll, on that he must have, obviously he must have bought the team fairly recently. And I trust <laughs> that he'll be able to turn it around. That's quickly, true. You got to believe his, that. Given his <laughs> basketball acumen. Yeah. So I, that maybe look, look, the future's bright, Charlotte. Michael Jordan owns Michael your team. Michael Jordan now. now owns the team. It's crazy. <laughs> you know that only good things can happen from the here. The future is bright in Charlotte. <laughs> Indiana is there despair with the with Indiana I, you know, I never know, won know. never really it's I don't know maybe big, big basketball state yeah, yeah. I, I I I think they don't they don't reek of despair to me in the way that uh, these other franchises do though no. like they're 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 usually like they've had some good players run through there and they have they've had some good teams like I don't know they, they do tend to like make weird personnel decisions though like I don't know. They don't, they don't, I, you know what the despair is for me is I don't know if that ownership group has like a plan. Right. It doesn't seem it like never they have feels, a plan. It just feels like they're, they just, they're like at any point, they'll be just like, we'll just put Reggie Miller out there. I'm like, you just don't get the sense that they've like adjusted yeah. at all in the last 20 years. And, you know, yeah, I just don't know what they're like, what their, what their like vision of the future is, you know, here's a weird despair team for you, Orlando. Just hmm. everything feels like you just, if you are an Orlando Magic fan, you almost feel like we're not really in league. We're not, we're not, they don't, they don't really like if Like, like they, they're, it's one of those things where like they have a meeting of all the owners and they got, they do a little name call, a roll call. And they're like, oh wait, the Orlando Magic owner's not here. And everybody else is like, yeah, just start without him. Like, I, I will say though, that as a guy who's watched a tremendous amount of Eastern Conference basketball this year, like, they're sneaky good. They've got some good players on that team. Paolo Bancaro is really good. Yep. I think he's going to be a big deal. Even like Markel Fultz has played kind of well for them recently. Like Jalen Suggs seems like something. I feel like I that's what I was saying. I think the future right now is brighter in Orlando than it has been for like five or ten years. Maybe. That Maybe. doesn't mean they're ever going to be any good. Yeah, really, I was going to say, but... I don't know. I mean, look, I, I agree with you. I think Wagner's pretty good too. But I just... That doesn't feel to me like a team that's going places, you know. Yeah, sort of the same way I felt about Minnesota. It just doesn't feel like, eh, they've got some good players, but I mean, Ben Carroll's a legit rookie of the year. Like he's yeah, like twenty probably. and seven. Like yeah, he, he's he's something. He's like they've they draft. It appears like they drafted him correctly. Yes, um, which is a good sign. That they, that is true. That is yeah, true. Right. All right, two more questions. One, I love this question so much. And I only care about it for you. I'm not going to even do it. Joe wants to know, let's say your overall fandom has 100 points, okay? How would you allocate those points across all the teams you support? Whoa. I love this so much. Because I'm dying to know. Because here's the thing. I happen to know that you have to allocate points to the Connecticut women's basketball team. I do. You have to. You're going to have to allocate points points to the Michigan football team. Yeah. So there, there's going to be some allocation going on here. I this like is hard, this. man. 
I All like right. this. I'm, I'm going to need to write this down. Uh, <laughs> let's see. It's Red Sox, Celtics. Um, then it's Patriots. Yep. Then it's Bruins. Okay. UConn women. Okay. Michigan football. Yep. And Michigan basketball. Oh, you are throwing a little Michigan basketball, but no Connecticut men's basketball. Actually, Connecticut, the, the Connecticut men, I, I root for just because I grew up in Connecticut. But I, I root for the women's team a lot more than I root Much for the men. More. I don't care yeah, about the yeah. men's team. No. Well, why would so I'm going to limit it to those seven teams. I think that's right. All right. Well. Wait, do you you don't have any particular tennis or or bat or uh, golf or. Oh, wait. What, what about Liverpool? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, I mean, that really like takes it down. It does. Like, max, you can't max out on the Celtics. Uh, really, for me, it's Celtics and Red Sox and then everybody else, but right. I can't. I got to allocate something to them. You can't. You're not going to just be able to put one point to those other teams. No. This is going to be super interesting. Um, I don't really have this feeling anymore. Um, because I mean, I would allocate. You know, like I, I still care about the Guardians. I care about the Royals. I care about the Chiefs. I've, I've got the Chiefs. I've got this weird thing with the Browns that will never go away. I guess I'm, I'm I don't root for them, but I still keep an eye on them. I that, that's just never going to stop. I don't think. Um, and then I've got like various, you know, I I I like Novak Djokovic a lot. I mean, I like individual people, um, but I don't think I'm I'm that kind of fan anymore. I think this is. But you still, you know, get to do get to do this. So I want to hear it. Oh, all right. Okay. I'm close. I'm close. Give me one second. I want to make sure I have a hundred points here. So <laughs> okay, and 25, 35, 40, 100. Okay, so this isn't. This, I would need more time to really to really do this. Right. What I have is Red Sox thirty and Celtics thirty. Okay. Then I have UConn women. Michigan football and Liverpool at seven and a half. Okay. Then I have Patriots and Bruins at five each. Okay. And then I have miscellaneous at 2.5. So miscellaneous would be Michigan basketball, UConn men's basketball, and anything else that comes along. I think you that's have, did you have Bruins in there? Oh, you had Bruins at yeah, two Bruins and a half? Yeah, Bruins at five. Bruins and Patriots are both at five. Oh, so interesting. So they're equal yeah. in your mind at I, this point? I might... I might move Bruins to 2.5 and get rid of the miscellaneous and then allocate 2.5 each. So so Red Sox would be 32.5, Celtics 32.5. <laughs> so that's 65. <laughs> Patriots are five, that's 70. Bruins are 2.5, UConn women 7.5, so that's 80. Then Michigan football 7.5 and Liverpool 7.5, so that's 95. So I have five more points. So I would go Red Sox 35, Celtics 35. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Do I have that right? I think I do. 35, 35. Yep. 70. That's 80. 95 and 5. Yeah. So it's right. red. So the final tally is Red Sox 35, Celtics 35, Patriots 5, Bruins 2.5, Yukon Women 7.5, Michigan Football 7.5, Liverpool 7.5. I'm pretty happy with that. I think I would I like take her a little bit, but I think that's generally the in the in the general zone. I, I I like this. I think. This how is, would you do it? Did you figure out how you do it? I, the problem is I don't really I don't I don't have quite that same thing going anymore. You know, right. 
Like I, I really like the Guardians. I mean, that's there's a percentage there. Um, but I also like the Royals and and uh, have a percentage there. I like the Chiefs. Uh, you know, that's that was uh, pretty exciting to root for them uh, this year. But I still keep an eye on the Browns. I can. I'll never stop. I don't think keeping an eye on the Browns. Um, when it's and, your job to write about this stuff, the, the fandom gets it does. Away at, it does. It? Yeah. It, it, it's interesting because it makes me more interested in some ways um, because I'm really, you know, getting into the teams. Uh, but, you know, I got to really write about all the teams. The only team that I can write about with disdain are the Yankees. And, you know, I, I take advantage of that every opportunity I can. But it, like, if, if something happens exciting for the Pirates, I I want to be able to feel that excitement. So I really do root for stories much more than, than ever. I yeah. think that's why I like tennis so much. And there's certain players that I really get interested in because I, you know, I mean, even, even though I do write some tennis, I'm not, I'm not sort of committed in the same way. So right. like I, you know, so I can get pretty excited uh, about, you know, watching Novak or well, not Serena anymore, but used to, you know, watching Serena Williams play. And uh, maybe that's a little bit of an end. I, I, it's interesting. I don't feel like I'm any less of a sports fan. I feel like I'm in fact more of a sports fan than ever, but some of the fanhood part is not the same. I'll tell you what, I'm going to take 2.5 points away from Liverpool. Ooh. And I'm going to donate them to what I would call like, like, the team of the week or oh, something yeah because okay. i've i have found as you know i've sort of adopted the sacramento kings yes. as my west coast nba team i genuinely love watching them i went up to sacramento i saw a game live it was thrilling yeah that team is really fun they're fun Darren fox is great keegan murray is like gonna is like a future star that guy like uh like somehow malik monk had 45 <laughs> off the bench the other night it's just they're just super fun and so I want, I do, even though that's not quote unquote, my team, I want 2.5 points to allocate on a week to week basis to just whatever team has captured my imagination. Totally. Totally. That way you're like, Hey, this week I'm Shohei Otani's pitching. My fanhood yeah. is going yeah. right to the, right to the angels and Shohei Otani. I exactly. think that's totally right. By the way, I, it, so this is weird. Um, so for those of you who don't know, Mike is a pretty big Liverpool fan. Brandon McCarthy is an enormous, uh, way bigger al- than I am, almost psychotic, uh, Liverpool fan. Yeah. And we will get all sorts of, uh, we'll get into all sorts of email or, or uh, text chains about Liverpool, which I never contribute to because I don't know anything about Liverpool. I don't particularly care about Liverpool. Um, uh, but these texts will sometimes go, sometimes I will wake up in the morning to, 45 or 50 new messages <laughs> all about Liverpool. And some of the messages in the middle will be like, I can't wait for Joe to wake up in the morning and yeah. see, see what we've written about Liverpool, which is all wonderful and joyous and, and makes me uh, very happy. But here's the thing. I've noticed I've started getting Liverpool stuff like emailed to me. Like I'm, I'm oh, like, no. some, yeah, I, I'm wondering like, are, am, am I in some sort of weird loop where just by getting your texts your phone is listening to you and it's sending you <laughs> liverpool information that's really bad i will also say um that uh i li- brandon loves liverpool so much that i have been doing a bit this year 
where I pretend to be a Man City fan. And I talk yes. about how great Kevin De Bruyne is <laughs> and how Erling Holland is like unstoppable. And he does not like it. No, he does not no. like. He does not enjoy it. It's not fun for him. <laughs> he does. He's he. He's like, it's like affected our friendship, I would say. Oh, yeah. No, more to the point where, but here's the thing. That is exactly the kind of thing Brandon would do to you. Like, oh, 100%. Literally. <laughs> 100% it is. And just it's just the rawest nerve that he has because they're yes. having a down year and Man yes. City is, is, uh, is, you know, typically great and challenging for the title and all that stuff. And it, it's there are two there are two third rails with Brandon McCarthy. It's Liverpool and LSU football. You're not allowed to say anything bad about no. them. He has no sense of humor about them. <laughs> he's he's not interested in your dumb jokes about LSU or Joe Burrow so, or Jamar Chase or any of it. Like he won't accept it. He doesn't like it. He won't engage in it. Well, no, and it'll cross over to like where suddenly he's the world's biggest Bengals fan because of Joe Burrow, yeah. and it's like it's like. And so the only thing bad. I'll say in his defense is once in a writer's room. I think it was at the good place. We had these like links of these like funny videos we used to watch. Like I would and I would just click on the link and we would watch some like the clip of Pete Weber saying, Who do you think you are? I am right. right. Sometimes just like like a soundboard on like a morning shock jock radio station. I would just like click one of those videos and we would just like watch them. And one day as a prank, uh the writers changed the links. So that everything I clicked on went to Aaron Boone's home run in, in the 2003 LCS. You didn't think it was funny at all. I lost my mind. It was like <laughs> the writers in that room still say to this day, it's like the scariest I've ever been. Like the like my eyes went black and I and, and this is by the way, long after 2004, 2007, 2013, course, probably after 2018. It didn't matter. <laughs> like that was like a trauma that we, that gave me no happiness at yeah. all. To no, I had no sense of humor about it at all. So I'm not even saying Brandon's wrong. No, to he's, feel this way. It's. I'm it's, just saying it's funny it's when wrong you after when you, after Liverpool's recent successes. To true, just like be and as, what, but what it is, it's interesting in within sports fandom to find where people's third rails are. Like, oh yeah, where they're just like, this is not. You cannot. Be, I will I will not have a sense of humor about this particular No, I have subject. no sense of humor about John Elway. None. Zero. Right. No, and I will not. And it's not even look, I did I just finished the football 101 over at my a thing where I counted down the 101 greatest players. And my entire John Elway essay is just about how much I hate John Elway. Yeah. That's it. That's it. I'm That's sorry. Right. There's nothing else I can feel. All right. Last question is from AT. AT wants to know that it's not even a question. Well, I guess it is. Not to get too meta, but when will Joe Posnanski qualify for the Joe Bloggs Hall of Fame? And which I am going to use as a point to reference. If you would like to uh, see it, I have started the new Joe Bloggs Hall of Fame over at Joe Bloggs, joeposnanski.substack.com. Um, and I'm literally creating a whole new Hall of Fame, which is very exciting, kind of fun, uh, because it is going to have, it is going, Early on, we're, we're still in the very early processes. We've only done the first two classes. So early on, it's just a whole bunch of people that you know are going to be going into the Hall of Fame. Sure. But as this goes on, uh, there are going to be all sorts of cool. I, I want my Hall of Fame to be just the coolest players ever. And, and so there will be all sorts of players in the Hall of Fame that are not in the real Hall of Fame. Non-Hall of Famers, yeah, non that's And great. all sorts of people who are in the Hall of Fame who are not going to be in the Joe Bloggs Love Hall it. of Fame. Get it's Eddie be... Collins out of there. The guy was a racist. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be so great. It's going to be so much fun. All right, time for one last meaningless thing to end this meaningless thing. It's one last meaningless thing to end this meaningless thing. We talk about sports and we draft things we know Like how be 
beaches are terrible places to go. No hot fruit for Michael, no Diet Coke for Joe. The podcast woe. It's one last woe. And uh, I'll start because I, I'm picking up something that literally just happened. Um, so Mike and I record this on Zoom, not that you need to know the the background, but one of the funniest things that happens, and this happens, I'd say, one out of every two weeks, two or three weeks, Mike will be talking and he will lift up his hand to like his, just as a reference. Yeah. And then Zoom will just be like, Mike sure raise his hand. They'll just be like a little, a little thing. Mike sure raised hand. And then there's this stupid little cartoon hand mm-hmm. that is up in the left-hand corner for the longest time. I I just find that endlessly wonderful. Oh, you do? I, I didn't know where you were going. I thought you might say annoying. You no, like no. It. I find that endlessly wonderful that it's just like, because I just like, you're talking, but I'm looking at a big stupid hand and Mike Shore raised hand, uh, uh, you know, as if, what well, I mean, isn't there a way on Zoom to raise your hand? Yeah, but they've they've changed it with mo- this, this motion. So now it's motion, motion detection. What feature. do you think yeah, of that? You hold your. I like it. It's good. I mean, <laughs> I don't know a lot of people who use it, but I I think it's cool. I'm okay. Pro. All right. Pro the raising of hands. All right. My one last meaningless thing is that it's been raining a lot in L.A. recently, like yeah. uh, like record setting rain, like uh, crazy rain. You know, they, we had, they, we got uh, seven to eight feet of snow in the mountains here in Southern California, which is great. We desperately need it. We need right. a snowpack for water reasons. And like all record-setting rain downtown LA got five inches of rain in one day, which was like a record. And um, my kids are losing their minds because they're just like, ugh. <laughs> and it was, it's yet another indication of how soft they are yeah. as, cre- as creatures on earth because i was like in in the northeast this is what happens it that's rains right. for a week at a time you can't go outside for a week at a time it's freezing cold that's right it snows every there's ice on the ground you just that's just what happens on earth and they've lived their whole lives in southern california and as a result they're weak they're weak <laughs> children they're soft they're like they're pathetic and they have yep. no ability to like roll with the elements and it, as a new englander it breaks my heart every wow. single day it just absolutely shatters me that two and a half days of rain and they're like when's it gonna stop <laughs> like I, I it, it's february it's supposed to be bad outside like it's yeah. not and today by the way it's gonna rain later today again but right now it's like 65 degrees and perfectly sunny outside of course of course and it's this if you got this day in february in boston massachusetts oh, you, you would what? fall to your knees <laughs> you would in gratitude <laughs> and and i it just bums me out that they just don't have no appreciation for nice days because 98 percent of the days that they live through are nice no i've thought very i've thought about this a lot whenever i've come out to uh southern california no matter when it is i mean it gets hot in the summer obviously but most of the year I'll come out there and it'll be 70 degrees and sunny, 68 degrees and sunny, 73 degrees and sunny. And I'll think to myself, there are three days a year. It's like this in virtually every other city, like in Kansas city, there are three days of the year that it's like that in Cleveland, three days of the year that it's like that Boston, same thing. 
Yeah. And, and yeah, it's, it's just like literally every day. Your kids, I've thought about this because you've talked about you being nostalgic for not only the change of seasons, but for like Christmas time to be snowy and, and white. And your kids obviously have never known that other than visiting. So are they like, if they end up in a city that's a cold weather city, will they be nostalgic for like perfect weather on Christmas day? When I was a freshman in college, um, I was in a lecture, like a large lecture hall my freshman year in like November, early November. And there was suddenly in the middle of this large room, there was like a shriek that sounded like someone was being attacked. (laughs) And everyone dramatically looked over and a woman got up and ran to the window. And we were like, what is happening? And she just looked outside and we all looked and it was snowing. And she was from Hawaii and she had never seen snow before. And she was, it was just like a, it overwhelmed her with emotion and <laughs> shock and dismay to the point where she involuntarily shrieked out loud in a wow. large lecture hall. So I don't know. I mean, my kids have seen snow, obviously. They've, they've been to the East Coast a million times in the winter, whatever. So I don't think it'll be at that level, but I do think that they will be, if they go to a cold weather city, if my son goes to Notre Dame or Michigan or, or anywhere in the oh, Northeast, yeah. not surviving that. I think he'll. I think he's gonna like ha- have a really hard time adjusting. But that's good. I want him to go through that. Like he shouldn't live his whole life believing that Southern California weather is the norm. No, he should not live his whole life believing that the we- that weather is the norm. And your baseball team wins every year, and your basketball <laughs> and your team, football wins, every team year. wins every year. <laughs> <laughs> no, he should not. He should no, not have any of those. Soft. Things. He's soft and weak, and he needs to be toughened up. <laughs> He needs some hardship in his life. <laughs> All right. Well, we've solved the world's problems as always. Oh, by the way, before we go, because we're about to go, um, where do we stand? 100% right now. Who's better, Michael Jordan or LeBron James? Uh, LeBron James is better. Okay, there you go. Just your update. Your update for the week. Mike, <laughs> as always, thank you. Thanks for having me. Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.